0: Hello Detroit, hello Pistons fans. This is the Sports Ethos Pistons podcast. I'm your host Joey Gideris with you right here three times a week on SportsEthos.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Ethos Pistons. On today's show, we have a very special guest. We have Corey Roush of the WNBA Pod at Sports Ethos. Going to join us in about five minutes. For the majority of our show, we're going to sort of talk about the upcoming trade deadline. We're five days away from the NBA trade deadline. And we're going to talk about Jeremy Grant, who is, of course, the most linked, the most rumored to be traded of anybody on the Pistons and of anybody in the NBA, it seems, too. Really, um, every team connected with Jeremy at one point or another, but now five days away, and we're wondering if it's even going to happen. So really looking forward to a conversation with Corey later. But first, we're going to recap Thursday and Friday's Back-to-back, two losses for the Pistons. On Thursday, they lose to the Timberwolves, 128-117. And on Friday, they lose to the Celtics, 102-93. That was last night. Really interesting games. Both played without Cade Cunningham. Um, So a lot to break down there as well. But first, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Give us a follow. Okay, so this back-to-back on Thursday and Friday, as I said, two consecutive losses for the Pistons to finish off a four-game homestand. They're now 12-40 and in the season, still the second-worst record in the NBA, and knocking on the door of the top... Or bottom spot, depending on how you look at it, for that for that number one draft pick. Um, although I've I've been spinning the tankathon machine, doing the lottery over and over again, it's not looking like the Pistons, uh, you know, are necessarily going to get a top pick just by being this bad. It doesn't necessarily behoove you to be the absolute worst team in basketball. But that's where we are. And as I alluded to in the intro. Two games played without Cade, these Thursday and Friday games. He's out with a hip pointer. We know it's not a very serious injury, but um, the Pistons are going to be cautious with you know Cade, who they obviously know. They know what Cade can bring. They know what kind of player he is. There's no real mystery there. you got to preserve your asset, especially ahead of the Rising Stars game, which I'm really excited about. I really want Cade to be there. And all three of our young Pistons, Um, Got drafted to different Rising Stars squads last night. Uh, Sadiq and Jeremy, I'm sorry, Sadiq and Isaiah are on the same team. Kate is on a team with Evan Mobley. Um, Really curious how this is all going to go down. I think on the last pod, I said it was a four, like, mini teams, four four players per team. I was wrong. It's four teams um, with, like, eight players each. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be, like, scrimmage. I think it's just going to be some fun basketball. But anyway, let's get to these games. On Thursday against Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Pistons lose 128-117. The Pistons started Corey Joseph, Roddy Magruder, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, and Isaiah Stewart. So for me, straight away, I'm sad for Killian Hayes not to get a start here, and only to play 20 minutes in the game, also very disappointing. Um, Roddy Magruder, who of course started at shooting guard, had six points, in 17 minutes. So not exactly the impact you might have expected if you were Dwayne Casey inserting Roddy Magruder in the starting lineup, but he hits two threes. That's exactly what he was there to do. And really it was Frank Jackson taking those secondary guard minutes and putting them to good use. 25 points, three rebounds, three assists with five threes on 57% shooting, 45% from three and 80% from the line. He would end up the high scorer on the day for the Pistons. And this is Frank's fifth straight double-digit scoring game. So even though uh, Magruder starts, it's Frank that gets the most of those minutes and does the most with them. And so that's really interesting. We've really seen a hot streak here from Frank, really as a shooter, right, not doing a whole lot else. I do like him as a prospect and an athlete. I think he's a versatile player, but the Pistons need a guy to knock down threes. He did that here. And the Pistons were winning this one 67-65 at the half holding Karl-Anthony Towns to only two of seven shooting, buoyed by strong first halves from Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bey, who each had 13 points at the half, five threes between them. But the second half saw the Pistons shoot a lowly 35% from the field, though Frank never cooled off, notably. Frank kept us in the game until the end. But it was the T-Wolves stars that got it going, and both Ant and Cat had 13 points in the second half. So in the end, it's a game the Pistons were more or less in, the entire time and it kind of slips away at the end. And I think the number one takeaway is we really missed Cade. You know, we really missed a closer, a go to scorer, just a guy to kind of put us over the edge there. There's really no way we can beat Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns without our star, right? Those two guys are, are some of my favorite players in the league, huge stars, um, and they have big games. So going on to the Celtics game on Friday, that was last night, quite a different story from the Timberwolves game. Not particularly close at any point. And I think the headline here that really encapsulates it, the Pistons had 31 points at halftime. It was 46 to 31 at the half, which, honestly, 46 points is not bad. Uh, If we're holding the Celtics to only 46, that's pretty good. But, of course, 31 points is abysmal. Teams will score 31 points in a quarter pretty easily. So, you know, the Pistons at the half were shooting 29%. Had no answer for the Celtics big man duo of Rob Williams and Al Horford. Williams had a ton of blocks in this game. Um, Those guys were 6 of 6 from the field in the first half. And we were just giving the Celtics every opportunity to score. Couldn't get second chance points. Couldn't get rebounds. Um, I had this game on. I saw how horribly it started. You know, I thought, I'll wait to see what happens when Killian comes in. And then the second unit looked awful. I mean, the worst the Pistons have ever looked. Um, Just, like I said, giving the ball back to the Celtics, handing it to them. Um, So I I admit, I walked away from this game for a little bit. I came back at the half. I saw that score. And again, it's like, man, (laughs) we need Cade. But also, you know, that means the second half of this game was um, more or less garbage time, right? And we saw Killian Hayes play a little bit more, which i like to see. And the Pistons actually outscored the Celtics in the second half to make the final scoreline relatively respectable. The Pistons changed the starting lineup again in this game, swapping Rodney Magruder for Hamadou Diallo, and Hami had a big game. We know Hami mops up garbage time like nobody else, and of course, without Cade, he took some of the primary creation and ball handling duties, finishing with a line of 21 points and 14 rebounds with a steal and a three. He made that three while only wearing one shoe. Um, He wore one shoe for like two minutes of this game. It was pretty incredible. Um, Sadiq finishes with 21 points and four threes on 35% shooting. And Jeremy put up a stinker, 10 points, three rebounds and three assists in 25 minutes. But there were a couple of bright spots for the Pistons here. One, Isaiah Stewart grabs 17 rebounds in nearly 33 minutes of play. So that's huge for Isaiah. Only three personal fouls. You know, that's very much outside of his norm. Both of those things, 33 minutes, three personal fouls you love to see it, though. I'm not sure what changed. Uh, Maybe the refs are just being a little kinder in a game that's so clearly out of hand. But Killian Hayes, he's my real star of the game for the Pistons here. And I did watch the second half, and I thought Killian was really impressive. Killian finishes with a line of 11 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks with a 3 and 45% shooting on 11 attempts in only 23 minutes. So a lot of things to like there. First of all, 11 attempts. Um, You know Killian is, is used to taking six shots So I've been saying all year Why can't he just take ten shots why, why can't he just take more shots Force him to take more shots It doesn't matter how ugly the shots are um, He needs reps And you know they're getting less ugly It's getting more um, Like you actually expect Killian to finish off Some of these drives um, And to drive in the first place And to take that space when it's given to him um, Killian just I, I, I still think there's so much upside in him um, Hopefully he can continue to play More minutes over the last three Games before this game his minutes were You know 20 minutes or less so that was really Discouraging for me But again this guy's Got a lot of potential and with Cade out I don't see why you would go away from Him because um, I really Think that can be bad for his confidence And we know that Killian struggles a little bit uh, With the mentality side of the game um, So Coming up next, okay, so I just summarized those games. They were they were more or less outliers. Um, without Cade in the lineup, everything changes, and um, you definitely don't need to go back and watch the Celtics game. But coming up, Corey Roush is going to join us to talk trade deadline and Jeremy Grant and all things Pistons trades. But first, we have a brand-new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to $100. Plus, either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports ETHOS DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ETHOS over at thrivefantasy.com. Dot com okay so welcome back to the show friend of the pod and host of the sports ethos WNBA podcast it's Corey roush welcome back cory
1: thanks for having me good to be back
0: yeah we got the Corey joseph show i'm gonna keep making that joke because you know as long as Corey joseph's around we're talking about
1: him i mean at least for one more week we have a at chance I, I, we'll get into that a little bit later but at least for one more week we can talk we can call this the cory joseph show
0: yeah and so I've I've been uh, hinting at it throughout the show that we're going to talk today specifically about the upcoming trade deadline. The NBA uh, trade deadline is February tenth. It's in five days, and um, the Pistons are of course heavily involved in a lot of rumors. Um, mainly one guy, Jeremy Grant, who um, you know is sort of the star signing of Troy Weaver's tenure as the GM. Um, I've always, you know, been like, man, we got to get some value out of Jeremy, one way or another, and it's really coming to a head. But at the same time, um, it feels like we just need some real news. Like, there's so many rumors. Some of them are just completely mind-boggling. Um, some of them make me think, you know, Jeremy's value is all over the shop, right? People don't seem to agree on Jeremy's value. Um, But before we get into this discussion, I do want to just sort of foreground some stuff for people um, concerning Jeremy. So like I said, Jeremy was like the big signing of Troy Weaver's tenure um, in his first year as the GM for the Pistons. He comes to Detroit. He chooses Detroit over Denver, who offered him the same contract. He was already a Denver Nugget, but he was coming off the bench and he was sort of buried behind, well, first of all, MVP, Nicole Jokic, but also... Um, rising stars like Michael Porter jr. And, you know, in terms of being, uh, they don't play the same position, but in terms of usage, Jamal Murray, um, so, you know, the nuggets are a good team. And, uh, Jeremy said he wanted to go be the number one option on a team. He wanted to go take a bunch of shots and put up stats. And not only that, but he liked the idea of going to the Pistons specifically, um, for having a black head coach and a black GM in a majority black city. That was something he was vocal about, um, uh being part of his decision to come to Detroit. So it's certainly something I think we have to handle carefully. And I don't want to necessarily give away Jeremy Grant. I also don't want to, um, I don't know, hold on to him to our detriment. But that's why we have you here, Corey, to talk about uh, Jeremy fitting in with the Pistons or trading. What, what's what's your take? What do you see as the best option? This is sort of a broad question, but
1: trade or keep? So, it's somewhere in the middle, right? Like <laughs> it, It's – if he I, – I, I like Jeremy a lot. I do think that it's, it's very easy to overlook the way that he last year and then infused further with Cade this year. The culture that has been established here, I, I get some people who don't necessarily follow the Pistons or watch them every night are like, what do you mean culture? They're, they're, they've combined to win about 35 games over the last two years. But it's the way they carry themselves on the court. It's not like – and I'm talking about for a decade of Pistons fans, you'd watch them lose or win like 38 games. And they look defeated all the time. We're, we're in the midst of seven game losing streaks and they're frustrated they lost. But you can still see the emotion, like they care. And that's not nothing in the middle of a rebuild. And like I said, part of that is Jeremy buying in and, and embracing the city. And, and like you mentioned, the James Edwards put out last year that how important it was for him to be involved with a, a black head coach and a black general manager. But at the same time, I don't think Jeremy Grant is a number one option on a winning team. Maybe a number two or three. I get why he wants to be that. And the contract contract extension that he wants is not necessarily like... It's not prohibitive in the sense that it's not... Like you would pay that for a third option on a good team. I get that. Mm -hmm. Do I want... If I'm looking at what the Pistons could be going forward, is that what I want their third option to be? I don't know because, and I was talking about other yeah. with other Pistons fans or like draft fans and stuff like that over the, over the week, and you could see in a world where Sadiq Bay in two years, whenever the Pistons are good again, is good enough to be a high end third option. At that point, your first and second options are probably Cade and whoever you draft with this pick this year, and then if you're in a point where Jeremy's not happy being the fourth option in that place, whenever he's already like. 29 i believe he would be in two years if i'm i'm not if i'm remembering correctly i don't have his age in front of me but do i want to be paying that person 25 million like it's fine because everybody will still be on their rookie contracts in the terms of the way you fill out the roster but one of the things that worries me about the extension in particular is that the reason he was brought in a, as a three-year deal, because they could have done a one-year prove it or whatever, you know what I mean? They, could, they, they said three years because the summer of 2023 was when they wanted to be able to have the completely clean books, be able to go out and make a push in free agency. And then if you wanted to bring him back, you had his bird rights so that you would be able to pay him then. Because you can re-sign players with bird rights even if you go over the cap. If you extend him, you eliminate that option. Hmm. So I understand why he would want that security, and again, it's not the same contract that it's not the huge financial commitment that the Knicks made, but you're seeing in a similar situation where they extended Julius Randle before they had to, and because he was really good for one year. Jeremy Grant was really good last year. Not the same level as good as Randle was. Randle was an all NBA player, but like he had that one really good year. This year has not been the same. Do we want to commit to that and hope that it gets back to that or better? That makes me nervous. I love yeah. Jeremy as, as a, he seems like a great guy. He's great for the team. I would like it if he was our second or third option. And you're seeing that a little bit like we'll see better whenever Cade's on the court with him. We didn't get yeah. to see much of that since he's returned. But I'm leery. Like, <sighs> I, but like you said, I don't want to just give him away. I, I see why you're
0: in the middle. I mean, you've just laid out exactly why we're kind of in the middle about it. Um So you're saying so for our for our listeners he's in his second year of the three-year 60 million dollar deal um you've mentioned the four-year 100 million dollar deal is sort of what he's looking for in an extension or you know i guess if he were to get traded whatever team he signs with uh, might want to then i mean if we traded him the the other team we trade him to do they get his uh quote-unquote bird rights is that how that works
1: yeah uh I don't believe so because I think you have to be on the team for three years so mm, okay I think that's why the three year deal was specific I don't have it exact the, the like the exact rolling memorized, but I thought maybe i don't know i think that you only get bird rights if they're on for three years or it's a rookie deal or I could just be completely wrong but i think that was that was the reasoning was why why they made it a third year deal
0: that makes sense that that sounds about right I'm so bad at the um the part of 2K manager mode where you have to do the contracts and the offseason. I, I always mess up there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so totally I'm, I'm it.
1: just a peek behind the, the curtain. I'm a nerd in the sense that I, I actually have the CBA printed out because I eventually, like, one of my reasons for getting into writing and podcasting and all that was I eventually want to work for a team or higher up in writing. So I want to learn as much as I can. I haven't actually read it enough yet, but uh, it, I mean, it's literally right next to me. I so. admire
0: that. That's good. Yeah, I should do that. So but, uh, you.
1: He, but just for clarity, he said he wanted yeah. a four-year $112 million extension, which is roughly $28 million a year, which is not – I mean, it's only $8 million Getting more than up we're there. now. But like Cade makes 10. If we have another top three pick again, that's another 10. And that's something that people don't really look at. They're like, well, we have all this cap space. And yeah, we can pursue somebody and then extend Jeremy. But it's like if you're picking in the top five of the draft again, your cap space can get whittled down very quickly hmm mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you laid it out perfectly I mean you're right Cade is obviously the number one we hope we get you know a top top pick this year we're in line to hopefully get one um, that player should slide right into being our second most important player um, and then what we've seen from Sadiq this year makes it pretty easy to look at him as a third option on a team um, and he I mean has no issue playing that role or you know isn't isn't trying to become a number one necessarily has not said so publicly I mean I that, that's part of what I think is so funny about this is, you know, this narrative about Jeremy wanting to be a number one option, um, because I just don't know exactly how real that is. Um, because like you're saying, like we, we saw first option Jeremy last season with the Pistons. Um, and I, I have some of his averages on this, uh, my notes app here. So in 2021, Jeremy Grant played 54 games for the Pistons, 34 minutes a night. He averaged 22 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, a half a steal and a block with two threes on 43%, 35% from three and 85% from the line. Those are, those are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty yeah, good. All
1: start numbers if, yeah. That's really good.
0: Yeah. And you know, with him, the issue that I look at first is efficiency, right? So in the 2022 season with Kate around for most of it, Jeremy's played 27 games. He's averaging 32 minutes a game. 19 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, a steal and a block, almost two threes a game on 41% shooting, 34% from three and 84% from the line. So a slight dip in efficiency. But for the most part, I mean, this is very consistent um, one season to the next. And in the three game sample that he's been back, he has struggled a little bit recently when I when I talk about the three game sample, the last three games. He's come back from his UCL injury. He has been a bit of a diminished version of Jeremy Grant, but the team has struggled as well. So um, like the Celtics game, he only played 25 minutes. That's a bit of an outlier. Um, so yeah, w- w- with Jeremy, my issue is number one, efficiency. Um, when it comes to being a number one option, we know those guys tend to be a little less efficient, but on much higher volume. And that's sort of what makes them number one options, I guess. Um but this isn't like sparkling efficiency. It's not something that I would necessarily buy in on as another rebuilding team. Cause that's essentially who he says he wants to go to. If he's going to be a number one option, he needs to go to a bad team.
1: Yeah. uh, A lot of the trade reports you've seen are yes. We we like what Jeremy brings to the table and we would like him on our team as a winning player, but those teams aren't looking at him as they're looking at him as a third option at best. And then, I think that's a very good role for him. I think he is a yeah. borderline elite third option for a playoff team, or a fourth option or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like depending on the night, but if he thinks he's going to be a first or second option, I'll do respect to Jeremy. I don't think that the team is going to be winning. So if he prioritizes winning, I, I don't think he can prioritize himself as an individual. And I mean, we saw that it, it, the sample size is obviously admittedly very small, but this week, this past week, Grant did have the second highest usage on the team. And again, Kate only played the one game, but that's a good sign. It's, it's a step in the right direction because if he's already willing to defer to Cade in that sense, I think that he'd be willing to defer in the right situation, but you have to convince the team that's trading for him to believe that as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's funny, like Jeremy, so there's also an impression in the fan base of Jeremy's game, right? And uh, certainly when he's out for 24 games, you you get stuck in this idea of what he is. He's he's unchanging. You know, he's going to be the same forever, um, and that is a guy who takes a lot of contested shots, who, who really runs the clock down with ISO possessions that really gum up the offense. That, that's sort of the impression that I have, at least, of Jeremy's game. Um, but in his, in his three games back, you know, we see him catch and shoot threes, um, which you're reminded like, oh, yeah, he is definitely one of our best three-point shooters. There's no doubt. Um, and if he's willing to do that, that's amazing for us this year. Um, it's exactly what we need. And yeah, just not so much getting uh, in the way of the offense, sort of fitting into the flow of the offense, not necessarily needing to lead the team in shots. Um, I think that's important because beforehand, you know, before the injury, it was frustrating to see him take more shots than Cade every night, but um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll change. Obviously Cade's been out for two games now, nothing too serious. We hope he's back soon. Of course, I hope to see him in the rising stars challenge. That's going to be really fun. Um, so I think he's trying to come back for that at least, um, when you look at the Jeremy trade rumors that are out there, is there one that stands out to you as realistic enough and interesting to you? Would you do it? Would you pull the trigger on one of these?
1: So, I mean, if you had asked me before yesterday, I would have been much more optimistic seeing what a player like Norman Powell went for.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that really quickly. Cause I haven't talked about it on the show yet. Um, The NBA trade season kicked off yesterday with uh, the Clippers and the Trailblazers. I mean, the reaction to this is that the... Who is it? The Blazers were just dumping, essentially, good players. Like, valuable players. Norman Powell is as valuable a scorer off the bench as anybody in the league. Well, he's a starter, but, you know, he's as valuable a scorer in that role. He's a role player. But uh, as anyone in the league, and, you know, more so than Jeremy as a scorer... Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so and, and that was also... oh, go ahead. Yeah. well just to say it really quickly so the, the Clippers end up getting Norm Powell and Robert Covington who you know he's not a scorer he's, he's having a bit of an up and down year he's an older guy but we know how valuable he can be he's a utility player um, those are two really good players going to really strengthen the Clippers as they push for the playoffs and they got back Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow Keon Johnson and a second round pick so like essentially nothing the trailblazers even said this is sort of a salary dump mm-hmm. um yeah what's your reaction to this
1: cory well i would have thought that you could have gotten a second just for covington and probably uh, first for norm Powell. i understand that his contract is heavy but like he like you said he's a winning player and it, it really threw me off that was a guy that so before Dame was rolled out for what like – he's not rolled out for the year at this point, but he's been out a while, and I, I don't think he's going to be rushing back for a team that looks like they might be going in the tank. Right. That was somebody that if they had – that Jeremy Grant was connected to, like them as a suitor earlier in the season, and on one of the swaps was a Norman Powell. And I was like, oh, that's not – it's not what I want because it's a more win-now move. But, like, it, it, it put the valuation of both into perspective for me, right? Right, if that's the valuation. I don't know that I want to trade Jeremy because I don't want to take on bad salary just for the sake of a trade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other like it just depends. Like if if I, I've seen that we've been connected to Atlanta and if if they're really that frustrated with John Collins and and the salaries fit, I'd do that immediately. I think that John Collins fits that specific need that this team has for a vertical threat that we just don't have on the roster. Yeah. Uh, I, I've long been a, a fan of Patrick Williams, and I, I don't think the Bulls are going to do that, but like that's been a trend for the last month. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would like that one. Mm-hmm. One that I've, There's two more that I've seen thrown out just a little bit that would garner a little bit of interest from me, um, and it's, it's, they, they don't play the same role as John Collins, but I've seen us connected to the Kings and maybe bringing in like a Marvin Bagley, or they were thinking about moving. like th- There's been rumors they were thinking about moving on from Rashawn Holmes, even though they just signed him. I would like either of those just because currently we have one player on the roster over 6'10 and it's uh, 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 it's Garza. Us. <laughs> yeah, Kelly. Yeah, so it's just like we have nobody big and, and you see it every game, like you get destroyed down low because you don't even have a body to throw at them, even if it's not like a good bot, like a, a strong defensive big man, you don't have anybody. Yeah. So that's at least mildly intriguing. And then the other one that I saw that I think John Hollinger put out on the athletic was potentially pursuing uh, Dante DiVincenzo because it doesn't look like the Bucs want to pay him. So you would take back Brook Lopez to make the money work, who's probably out most of the uh, the year anyway. I don't hate it. None of these are really like, I want to do them immediately. These are home runs. Yeah. But...
0: <sighs> it has to do, do really, with our expectations a little bit, right? Like, yeah, I feel like we've been talking... Because you mentioned Patrick Williams of the Bulls. Um, you know, drafted last year. So he's a second year player. We know Troy Weaver really likes Patrick Williams. Um, and I feel like when I see the Patrick Williams rumors, you know, they've been swirling forever. Um, and it also involves a first round pick um, that guy and a first round pick, which now it's like, okay, maybe we'll just take the player.
1: Yeah. I think that's like the pie in the sky, really hoping for the best outcome. Yeah. And like, I'd love it, but like, I don't think it's reasonable. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like necessarily any move is going to come down the pipe that like we we jump at we 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 you know pull the trigger immediately. Yeah. It's going to come down to probably you know how much does Troy Weaver like this guy? We're getting back um, a guy that comes to mind that we haven't mentioned that I I don't think this is a real rumor, but yeah, P- Pistons fans love uh, Jalen Brunson, and I like him too. I like him a lot. Um, you know I, I would absolutely. I mean I'm just you know dreaming. Yeah. Here, I guess.
1: But. I, I thought about including him, but the, the issue I had was I'd rather just pursue him in free agency solely because, like, it, it would be nice to have, like, the, the right of first refusal and all that. that Or, like, you would have him in the building, you'd see how he'd work, well, all of that stuff. The issue is that the money you would have to take back because of the way their salaries work is something that would extend for, I think, two to three years. And I don't know that I'm really enamored with bringing in a, a Dwight Powell or a Maxi Kleber or somebody like that. So I saw it personally, I'd rather wait until because he makes so little now that like you can't just it's too far away for a straight up but i he's absolutely somebody i'm interested in
0: yeah that's a good that's a good you you got the salaries and the salary cap and everything uh down i i need to get better at knowing all how all that works but um yeah so i mean if a trade were to happen it's gonna happen in the next five days obviously we, we could just talk about rumors all day we'll we'll probably end up yeah. doing the show after right if it happens um that'd be great It'd give us a lot to talk about if it doesn't um you know <laughs> maybe we don't do a whole show about how it <laughs> didn't happen but is there anyone else on the pistons that you're thinking um could be on the move or or you would be interested in trading
1: um like again I don't think anything necessarily needs to happen. I would like to see them find Rodney Magruder a home. I'm not – I know a lot of Pistons fans don't necessarily love him, but for a guy that comes in and is extremely professional, it's actually been good since he yeah. – um, like, the trade got nixed. You finally looked like you were going to put him in a winning position, and he comes back, and, like, he was already practicing with the other team. So the fact that he came <laughs> back to the yeah. stride and was, like, as actually performing better, i just like to see a guy like that get rewarded with maybe being able to go somewhere. Um Another trade that was floated out was a Sabin Lee swap for uh, Paul Reed. So basically swapping your G League, G League star Stars, point guard for yeah. a G League star center. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, like, again, I, I just want to get more big bodies, so I'd like to take a, a, a flyer on that. I guess Corey Joseph and Josh Jackson are always possible. Josh Jackson's essentially out of the rotation when everyone's healthy, and he's an expiring. So if you can get literally anything for that, I'd be fine with it. And Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's it that's, it's really it's, about it to me.
0: It's interesting you bring up Saban Lee. I think he had a 38-7-7 and last night in the G League. It's just ridiculous the difference yeah. in level between the G League and the NBA. How how can this guy... I mean, I like Saban a lot, and he's been good enough in the NBA, but he is a dominant performer in the G League. Um, just sort of shows me I don't think the level is too high there.
1: It's higher than it was probably even five years ago, but still there's there's a, a big discrepancy. It's one of those things that like you just realize... We really underestimate how good even the the 15th men on on basketball rosters really are on NBA rosters are because they just like they they torch people that are also like um, people in the G League were high level college players. Like it's not like not not like stars, but like four year starters in college and they go there and they're getting bodied by Saban Lee. And it's just like (laughs) you really underestimate what, uh, like, like I said, like the last man on your roster is doing. I've never been as big of a like. I just think, I, I don't even think I dislike him. I think I dislike, he's like the kind of guy Pistons piss Twitter besides to fall in love with because they've seen him yam on some people. So they think that, oh, yeah, why is he not getting more minutes? And I'm just like, I don't know if it's ever really going to connect. So, but. You're talking about Saban? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, I like him fine, but I've seen a lot of, like whenever he was getting mentioned as part of like the core four after that draft class, I was like, that might be a little bit of a stretch for me.
0: Yeah, it would have been, uh, you know, a very, very good draft pick. And I, I think it is a good draft pick, second round yeah. pick, 38th pick. And, you know, he's by all accounts, like the best G League player. So that's pretty yeah. good um, for, yeah, for a guy we didn't really expect a lot out of. But um, I, I like what you're throwing out there. I mean, obviously, Paul Reed was, I think, the G League MVP last year. So yep. no slouch there. He's a front court player. Um, he's he's one of these guys that if he were ever to get minutes in fantasy, I'd swipe him up immediately. Um, Cause he's a sort of a permanent monster kind of guy. Um, so yeah, I mean any, any move to maybe kick the tires on a, on a prospect like that is of interest, but it sounds like we're sort of talking about peripheral players for the most part, other yeah. than Jeremy Grant, maybe you, you didn't mention Kelly Olynyk, So I, I don't know if you thought, I just, him.
1: I just don't think he's been healthy enough. Right. Yeah. I, I think that he's more likely to get moved next trade deadline. He, he, he has missed most of this season. He looked, rather terrible last night i just don't think anyone's going to take on to like the, the the final year of the deal is not fully guaranteed but the rest of this year and then 12 million next year i just don't think that a lot of teams are going to offer you anything really worthwhile so i'd rather just keep it and, and try to turn him into something later there's no rush to really move off of it
0: yeah and he is i guess the biggest body around so we need big bodies that's important um Cool. Well, I think this was really good. Um, Is there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't say? (laughs) Yeah, actually, yes.
1: I I I I, I react. I interacted with you on Twitter yesterday, and I said I wanted to address the the Killian Hayes of it all. Uh, I'll 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 preface it with I. Anyone who has known me for any amount of time knows that I'm a staunch Killian Hayes defender. Good. Um, Okay. Okay. But
0: Killian is on the court. That's
1: so you're right. That's that's part of my (laughs) that's part of my thing. Yeah. I understand the frustration that he doesn't doesn't get like 35 minutes a game or what 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 have you. But I've always been, I, I'm not, I, I will not defend Wayne Casey as the perfect coach. I don't necessarily think he is, obviously. But yeah. I have liked that throughout the rebuild, or even dating back to, like the last year, or whatever, like when Christian Wood was there. Even if you're a top-tier prospect or you're supposed to be, he's going to make you earn your minutes. And if you don't play well, he's going to sit you. And I understand that people don't like the consistency when he doesn't do it to the veterans. We're not molding the veterans. We're molding these young players to be our next set. So if I'm telling Killian, hey, you got to play well, you got to play aggressive, and then you come out and don't do it, I get why you would sit him because you don't want to reward the behavior. We're trying to instill good habits. It's one of the things you see in a lot of failed rebuilds where you don't hold people to that, yeah, they get a green light, but they develop really bad habits, and you end up being the Kings for 16 years. I also like that one of the reasons to move him to the bench was to kind of get him reinvigorated in that new role. And so far, it's been mostly positive results. I mean, like, the first half last night was rough, but the second half was really good. And he's, if nothing else, he's looked more aggressive, and that's what we want for mm-hmm. if I So I didn't want, as soon as K got hurt, for him to be foisted back into the starting role. Because like, then he's not ever going to be able to establish any consistency. So maybe I'm being a little bit too much of a defender there uh, of Casey and Killian, but like I can see the logic behind, l- let's not shake up his routine because we're, we're worried about developing him. Just shake up the routines of Rodney Magruder or Corey Joseph or whatever. We don't really care about their development. They're basically what they're going to be. This is the guy we have to try to mold slowly.
0: Yeah, I, I see that for sure. And you know the, the first three games off the bench were really good. Um, and then there were three really low-minute uh, games for Killian, like 20 minutes or less. Um, before last night, he got I think 24 minutes. Um, it's always low-ish, right? The minutes. Yeah. But um, you're right. You don't need to start necessarily to play a lot of minutes. And um, you know, for me, I, I just think it's minutes that I want from Killian, and I want shots. I want him to take shots. You know. That's
1: more on him than the coach, though, right? It's like. he he is very passive whenever it comes to taking shots he's getting better but he's very passive about taking shots
0: yeah 11 shots last night was actually like that's a lot of shots for killian that's like double the normal amount so um and you know it's just nice to see him um like you said in that second half he looked a lot better in the first half really bringing the ball up the court with energy and you know pretty fast like he's he's a pretty pretty uh intimidating guy running the floor if he wants to go coast to coast and take it to the hoop you know and um he did take his space a few times there and and, and scored I think 11 points so yeah 11 um, 5
1: and 5 I think
0: with two blocks and a yeah. three. He hit a I three. really
1: think that whether it be at the trade deadline or at the draft this year whoever we get to complement both him and Caden transition is going to go a long way that's why I like the idea of a John Collins or if we get the number one pick in the draft, why I like the idea of a Jabari Smith because they like they don't really have anyone that can get out and transition with them and really accentuate their strengths. Like how so many times you see him looking for the creative pass or looking for somebody in the space to floor with him in transition and it's Isaiah Stewart, which I love Isaiah Stewart, but like you throw him a creative pass and more often than not he's bobbling it or he's not he he's not like like athletic enough at the rim on offense to really draw away the, the defender in transition. So they focus so much on killing. So he's going to get a contested shot as opposed to like actually being able to play the two two man game very well. So I
0: yeah. think he
1: is going to be him to like, it's not the same extent as Kate, because I think Kate is a much more special talent, but both of them will benefit greatly from actually playing with good players. Like, I mean, it comes down to as simple as that, like the more talent around them, the better they're going to look
0: for sure. And I guess a couple notes, um, one thing is the Kelly Killian uh, connection, which is a mouthful to say. In the second unit, um, hasn't gone particularly well. No. <laughs> um, I think that's one thing to sort out is certainly who's running the second unit. Uh, I I think Killian should be allowed to run the second unit um, without having to play off ball and and let you know Trey Lyles bring it up the floor and Kelly bring it up the floor. You know I feel like Kelly's just been tripping all over himself lately. Um, but he's just come back from a big injury, so um, that's something to sort out. And I do think that by the end of the year, I want Killian back in the starting lineup. Um, you know, you think about last year where we like shut it down in the last month or so. I, I hope something similar can happen this year. Certainly, I love the pairing of Cade and Killian defensively. Um, you know, I I think it's good for Killian's confidence that he starts. That's a really delicate thing that Dwayne Casey is managing right now. Is not only the game. You got to keep the team competitive and keep us in the game, but keep Killian's confidence up um, even as he comes off the bench. Cause like we said in last night's game, you know, we're getting, we're getting really beat, but uh, Killian didn't look particularly engaged right out of the gate. Sort of mm-hmm. took him. He had to sort of work into the game. Um, so it is a delicate situation with Killian. He uh, you know, I hope he can sort of uh, yeah, maybe get more aggressive and, and do the things internally that he needs to do be more aggressive you know turn 21 <laughs> right he's really young um so I I agree there's a lot of future ahead for Killian and uh I I, I only tweeted about it because um I just the, the the backcourt of Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder it just doesn't uh if, you know if you're a casual that's not going to get you excited whatsoever no, no I totally get that yeah and especially with and you know this isn't to say uh, anything about uh, that that choice to start those two. I don't care that much. But Frank Jackson, right? Like as a shooting guard, as a three-point shot taker and maker, um, has been good lately. Yep. Not so much last night, but was on a roll before then. Um, and so I think like that could have been an option. But you know whatever he played more minutes, right? He played more minutes, and that's all that matters really yep. to me. Um, but I think that's good. I I gotta actually do something. Uh, so. This was great. This was great, Corey. Thanks for coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll have you back very soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. And for the Sports Ethos Pistons podcast, that'll do it. Um, we'll probably yeah, we're just we're just counting down the trade deadline, so uh, stay tuned. All right. See ya.